Last month, the FCA warned advisors it needs to look again at the equity release market to make sure it is working in the best interests of consumers. According to the regulator's latest business plan, more people are reaching retirement either owning their own homes or with a mortgage. As a result, the FCA said its work in the space could include following up on earlier findings concerning poor quality advice and checking that standards among intermediaries giving advice have improved. Back in 2020, the FCA sounded alarm bells over unsuitable equity release advice after review found some mortgage advisors were falling short in the market. The equity release industry has had to evolve over the last few few decades. Uh, back in the 1980s and 1990s, uh, there were a number of scandals concerning large amounts of debt, but a lot has changed since then. And the equity release council has done a lot to change this, including introducing industry standards, which we can sort of go into in a bit more detail. I'm Ruby Hinchliffe, reporter at FT Advisor, uh, and joined with me today, I have David Forsdyke, Head of Later Life Finance at Knight Frank Finance, and Laura Healy, a mortgage and equity release advisor at Fairview Financial. Thank you both for, for joining us today. I think it's going to be a really interesting and very topical discussion. Um, David, I wanted to come to you first. Um, I want you to sort of give a kind of quick overview of how the equity release market has kind of evolved. Um, I think from coming from you as an expert, you might be able to give a, a better summary. Okay, yes. Thank you, uh, Ruby. Um, so equity release uh, is a phrase that's used to describe a, a range of products. Um, and uh, in the past, back in the uh, in the 90s, early 2000s, there were a number of products that fell under that equity release banner, which um, turned out to be uh, pretty poor value for customers. Um, those included shared appreciation mortgages, uh, home income plans. Um, Thankfully, the, the trade body um, came along. Initially, they called themselves SHIP, which was short for Safe Home Income Plans. Uh, nowadays, they are known as the Equity Release Council. Uh, they came along in order to uh, introduce some standards and some controls around these products. Uh, and then in 2004, uh, Equity Release uh, began to, well, became regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority. Um, and since then, we've seen uh, an industry that's uh, really been transforming and evolving. Um, the, the products I mentioned uh, just now have, have completely disappeared. Uh, equity release nowadays covers two products. Uh, first of all, home reversion plans. That's where you give up uh, ownership or of some or all of your property in exchange for a lump sum. Or um, the other product is a lifetime mortgage. And uh, in the current market, around 99.9% of all equity release is done using a lifetime mortgage. Uh, as the name suggests, it's a mortgage secured against your property, but it's it works in a very different way to a normal mortgage. It lasts for your lifetime, hence the name lifetime mortgage. And um, the way that interest is charged on that mortgage is also slightly different. Borrowers have an option to either allow the interest to roll up over the course of the mortgage, or they can service some or all of the interest as they go along. Uh, they can even make ad hoc payments if they wish to uh, as they go along. So it's it's very different to a normal mortgage, but it is um, it has become the modern equity release. 
Brilliant. Thanks for that, David. I think it's just helpful for those who are perhaps less familiar with equity release to sort of give that that overview. So that was that was really, really useful. Um, so and obviously I sort of started this discussion by talking about what the FCA have, have said recently in regards to equity release. Um, so let's let's sort of start there with our discussion and sort of I want to ask both of you, why do you think the FCA still feels it may have to look at equity release advice? Um Laura, I'll come to you first on this. Um, yeah, so I think it's a fantastic product, equity release, for the right people. Um, it's not for everybody. Um, and I think, I guess there's been cases where, um, you know, advisors have perhaps, I don't know, pushed equity release on clients where maybe something else might be more appropriate. Um, there's obviously lots of, alternatives to equity release um and i guess if you're a good advisor then you're going to kind of drill down on those as well you need to find out if this is you know the right thing for somebody um yeah, there's lots of things like there's traditional mortgages traditional interest only mortgages um it might be that's more appropriate where rates are potentially a bit lower um then again, it might be that obviously with lifetime mortgage, the, the rate's fixed for the lifetime. So um, that might be more appropriate, certainly with race, um, rates increasing and things at the minute. Um, but it's not always the case. I mean, there's also things like, um, you know, they carry quite heavy early repayment charges as well. So for some clients, if they're looking to you know pay these kind of things off in the, in the nearer future, um, they might not be appropriate for them. And I think what's probably happened is, you know, especially maybe people that are just qualified in equity release might kind of be, um, I don't know how to put it, but maybe influencing clients a bit more to go for the equity release rather than something else. So um, I guess that that's my opinion. And just just for the benefits of, of listeners, if, if equity release perhaps wasn't the right solution in some of these cases, what, what would have been the right solution? Can you think of any examples of where what the other solution might have been in that scenario yeah there's an awful lot of other solutions for some people um there's like i said a a more traditional type mortgage so an interest only mortgage or even possibly a repayment mortgage that's not going to be suitable for somebody that doesn't want to pay interest um but i do deal with a lot of clients that they do have um some disposable income and could potentially pay that interest or even pay the capital off the mortgage so um so that's one thing obviously certainly to look into um other things are like even downsizing so um some you know a lot of clients have considered that when i when i speak to them they've already considered these kind of things but it's also worth mentioning to them that you know if they especially if they're looking to downsize in the near future um you know that there are there is flexibility and that people can port the equity release mortgage onto another property and things like that but yeah there are cases where they might have to pay the early repayment charges so it's worth looking to see if they thought about this you know beforehand as well um i mean there's all sorts of other things some people it's even you know they they might just need to speak to their family there might be a solution within the family and things as well um but you know it, it it can be a fantastic product for the right people it's just people clients do need to know what the alternatives are really sure and and david i'll, I'll come to you on this one sort of asking the question again why you think the fca um still feel like they need to look at the the advice given in the ft release sector and it'd be also interesting to hear how you avoid kind of that scenario where 
you're kind of pushing for for a product that might not be the best fit. Okay, I think uh, to to tackle the first question first, why the FCA? Uh, why do they feel they need to have a look at an equity release advice again? Um, I think it's a really good thing that they're expressing an interest in looking at it again. Uh, I think it's a good thing because um, for us, uh, the average age of our client is around 75 years old. Um, It's worth pointing out that equity release is only available if you're above the age of 55. Um, So this isn't something that all homeowners are uh, are able to, to get. But for us, our average client is 75. And if you think about that from a regulatory perspective, that's the age group uh, where there are potentially more vulnerabilities. So, you know, the FCA, if they're doing the job properly, they are protecting consumers. And it's only right that they look at those consumers that are potentially more vulnerable. Um, and you know, obviously, as we age, there are uh, additional risks um, to our health and our uh, ability to maintain our mental capacity. So I think it's a good thing that they're looking at that. I think the other reason that they uh, are looking at it is that this market is growing. It's growing quite rapidly. Um, and also, the way in which consumers are applying equity release is also growing. Um, equity release used to be seen as a, a a product of last resort when you've ex- when you've sort of um, explored all of the other options and you've got no other choice but to to release equity tied up in your property. Um, nowadays, though, we're seeing people using equity release for a, a much wider range of of reasons. Um, for us, a lot of our clients are, are fairly wealthy and they're using equity release. Um, in a different way in order to create liquidity, in order to give themselves flexibility. Perhaps it's part of an estate planning scheme. Perhaps it's part of a, a retirement income planning scheme. Um, it's quite it's quite broad, quite diverse. And I think that in itself presents some challenges for the FCA. You know, how do they maintain the right level of protection when equity release is being used by such a wide range of consumers? Um, and I've forgotten what your second question was, Ruby, having said all of that. <laughs> That's all right. That's all right. It was just a sort of interesting from what Laura said, really, that um, I wanted to ask you how at your firm you kind of avoid <clears throat> that issue where you're, you might perhaps be pushing a product like equity release the when it's not yeah. suitable okay. um, when, when you do have that equity release focus. Well, we were... We were very deliberate when we set up um, the service here. We were very deliberate to call it uh, a later life finance service. Um, so you know, we want to keep as a broad a choice of options available as we possibly can. So we're not focusing on equity release. What we are doing is we're focusing on the client. What is it that our client really needs? What's the, the problem or the, the, the solution that they're looking for? And how can we find the right product to to meet that solution for them? Um, sometimes that will be equity release. Sometimes that will be an ordinary mortgage. Sometimes that will be one of the, the growing number of um, retirement mortgage options. Um, we have a product in the industry now called a retirement interest only mortgage uh, or Rio mortgage. So that can often be a good alternative. Um, some of our clients are just looking for short term funding. So it might be that we're talking to them about bridging finance for example so we try and keep those options as broad as we possibly can 
we're not trying to funnel our clients into equity release. We're just trying to find the right solution for them. Sure. And Laura, I wanted to, to come to you because, I mean, we've seen a big, big sort of growth in the equity release space over the last sort of year, especially. Um, and I know David touched on that earlier. Um, what are some of the things you've seen as a reason for this growth? This is pretty recent growth. Because the FCA, one of the things that they said is that it's partially down to sort of clients saying that they need equity release and perhaps advisors not always challenging the client as to whether that's what they need. And I know we've, we've spoken about how there are a lot of alternatives to equity release depending on the client's situation. But for you, what have you seen as some of the biggest sort of drivers of growth? Um, and have you seen this issue of clients saying, oh, I think I need equity release, even when it might not be the right thing? Um, yeah, definitely. I've seen clients, you know, I've had clients come to me and, you know, the first port of call is, you know, they've maybe seen an advert on the TV or something and, um, you know, that they're, they're, they're calling about equity release. Um, I think, as I said earlier, I wouldn't always necessarily, that wouldn't be, um, you know, I'll obviously, I will challenge that, that, them on that myself. That's that's definitely something I would do. And I think I've explained, I've, I'm qualified in mortgages and equity release. So, you know, I absolutely can kind of do the best thing by my clients and, and look and see which is the most appropriate for their needs. Um, but I, it's difficult to say whether that's, you know, whether that's um, helped with the growth of equity lease where, you know, advisors haven't challenged enough. Um, so I don't feel like I've particularly do that myself um but yeah I guess it probably will have an impact I'm, I'm sure it does have a bit of an impact um I think probably more so um you know it's been growing and growing over the last few years I think partially because um the stigma that was attached to equity release that's starting to wane now so I think people are realizing its benefits and like David said there's all sorts of things that you know uh, people are using equity release for you know, inheritance tax planning. Um, you know, there's people's uh, estates are becoming more and more valuable now. So, you know, pay, people are getting advice um, you know, from financial advisors to actually take out equity release. Um, also, you've got now the added cost of living. Um, you've got inflation. There's people out there that will, you know, people will take out an equity release product because they'll want a, um, an income to support their their pension income if they, they haven't got a huge amount. I think we're going to see that just going up and up and up and increasing more and more and more. Um, so, yeah, and I think I just think generally perceptions changed of, of equity release as a whole. It, it is a really, really good product for the right person, but it isn't for everybody. Um, and absolutely, advisors do need to be challenging, definitely. David, what do you have to add to that? Um, I would I would certainly hope that the, the growth in the market has got nothing to do with advisors not challenging um clients i think as advisors in this industry we have a a duty to challenge our our clients this is you know we're not we're not here to take orders from clients we are here to give them the the very best advice that we can and sometimes that means we have to disagree with them um we've you know we've had numerous clients where we've had to say no actually this isn't the right thing for you um we suggest you follow a, a different path um so you know as advisors, you have to have the strength to, to be able to do that. Um, what is driving the growth in this industry um, are a combination of factors that have all kind of come together at the same time. First of all, the older generation um, is sitting on the majority of property wealth in the UK. We all know that. that, that those older generations are the, are the ones who've 
benefited from decades of rapid growth in the value of their property. So they've got a huge amount of wealth tied up in, in their homes. Um, but that same generation have seen the steady decline of uh, pension provisions. The, the final salary pensions have slowly disappeared. Money purchases come along. I frequently read reports saying that you know, people just aren't saving enough into their pensions. So where is their income going to come from? How are they going to maintain that standard of living? Uh, as Laura's quite rightly said, the cost of living is going up faster than pretty much anything else right now. So again, how do you fund that cost of living? Um, we've then got other factors coming into play. We've got the fact that we are all living longer. Our life expectancy is longer. So our financial resources have got to last us longer. Um, Interesting um, to note that the the average age at which we inherit from our parents is gradually running away and it'll soon be in, in our 60s. They reckon that people born in their 80s now, uh, sorry, people born in the 80s won't inherit anything until they reach about 64 years old. So the age of, of inheriting and this, this sort of slightly old fashioned view of reef ring fencing the property for the children is slowly disappearing. And it's because we need those finances to last longer. And also, you know, inheriting my parents' property when I reach 64 is not much use to me. I'd rather they make use of it. Um, we've also got this huge disparity between generations. So uh, I have children in their 20s. And if I look at the, the uphill struggle they're faced with in order to become property owners, it's so much harder than it was when I was younger. and even harder than when it was my you know my father was was entering the property market so there's this big disparity and for a lot of older people they're looking at ways of redistributing their wealth down to the younger generations to try and help them and that's got to be good for the economy if they can do that so that's another factor that's playing into the equity release market um and then the final thing that i'd, I'd say on this is the the wealth management the financial planning arm um, we are seeing more and more professional advisors, wealth managers, financial planners are beginning to talk to their clients about equity release because they're beginning to realize what a flexible and useful product it is to complement the rest of their financial planning. Um, the property is no longer sort of treated as a separate asset. It's brought into the conversation in holistic financial planning. So all these different factors are coming together and that's what's making our market grow and, uh, and it will continue to grow. It can, it can only, um, I call it inevitable. This is the inevitable growth of equity release right now. And it'd be interesting to kind of hear from you both really about um, what you think the impact of the FCA looking more closely at it again will have on, on the market. Do you think it's just about kind of cleaning up a bit more um, or do you think that it will have kind of broader kind of uh, a broad influence on the market on the equity release market what are the what are the potential benefits of the fca looking at at the market again um i from my point of view and i'm slightly biased on this because i was um a supervisor with the fca uh some years ago and, and i was very familiar with the market back then from a, a regulatory viewpoint um but i, I think the fca Having a, look at, having a look at the equity release uh, can only be uh, a positive thing. Uh, we've got a fantastic set of regulatory rules in place. We've got a fantastic set of rules and standards in place from the Equity Release Council. Um, 
So if everybody is, is following those rules and doing what they should be doing, consumers uh, are being well protected. They're being well looked after. So the FCA coming in and having a look at that, it will either confirm that we're all doing a good job and we're looking after consumers. And that can only be a positive because that boosts consumer confidence in what we're doing. Um, that, that boosts uh, confidence in the industry as a whole. Uh, it's still a very small industry. We could do with more people joining the industry, both as providers, lenders and as advisors. Um, so there's a positive from that point of view. If the FCA come in and they find uh, that there are uh, some issues, as they did a couple of years ago, you know, they made points around uh, advisors not personalizing their advice, for example. Um, I would I would hope that the industry has responded very well to that and we're all doing things in a much more personalized fashion. Um, but if the FCA do unearth some concerns, again, I can only see that as a positive because that helps us as an industry take stock of where we are and say, right, what can we be doing better? What do we need to change to make this an even better industry for consumers? What improvements can we make? What changes can we make that mean that consumers get the very best service. And that's what we all want at the end of the day. We want an industry that's got a strong reputation that consumers feel confident in, that the regulator feels confident in. So I would welcome the FCA having a look. Cool. And and Laura, what, what about you? What do you think the impact of the FCA having this, this kind of additional look at the market? What do you think, like I said earlier, is it going to sort of impact um on a sort of smaller level of getting rid of some bad apples or do you think it will kind of um, impact the industry more widely yeah probably um probably you know yeah getting rid of some bad apples i would say i mean um i i agree i welcome it as well i'm, I'm from a banking background and you know we a lot of a lot of regulation and things in banking um and i absolutely think it's it's for the benefit of the clients and it's also for the benefit of us as well so um, the more we document, we're protecting ourselves as advisors as well as the client, really. So, um, no, I think I absolutely agree. I think I think it's a good thing. Um, you know, people do need protecting. Um, you know, that the, there's a lot of clients out there that, that that don't know enough. You know, don't know enough about equity release, and it's our job to go out and make sure. You know, they they're aware of everything, the pitfalls, the benefits, everything really. So, no. I think it's a I'd welcome it as well nice okay and I guess what could be an apt kind of question to ask at this point is what what does actually good equity release advice look like um Laura I'll come back to you and then I'll come to you David um good equity release advice um it's about personalizing things so doing a really really good fact find with a client so you really need to get down to the nitty-gritty know everything about that client um it might seem intrusive but I always say to my clients you know I'm, it may sound really intrusive the questions that I'm asking you but they're absolutely vital for me for me to be able to give you the best advice um, make sure I'm you know recommending the right thing for your own personal needs um there's so many things that can impact the advice that we give um, as Dave said, there's not there's not a huge amount of lenders out there um, that offer equity release, but there are lots of different things that you know different lenders have different niches and really really important. Um, it's not just about offering getting the client the best interest rate. It's also you know there's the flexible features of equity release as well. So if we haven't found out enough about them, 
uh, we're not going to know what their plans are for the future and potentially we're mis-selling and not offering the right advice. Thanks Laura and, and what about you David what do you think are some of the sort of good hallmarks of um, equity release advice? Uh, well firstly I would echo what, what Laura said it is about really getting to know the client, uh, really getting to understand where they are right now, what stage of their life are they at, at, um, and what circumstances do they find themselves in. Um, The second step to that for for me is about talking to them about the future. Um, We we all have a a habit of thinking fairly short term. for most of us, we can perhaps think two or three years ahead, uh, but we're not very good at thinking beyond that. So for me, good advice is about taking that client on a journey that's maybe 10 years, 15 years, even 20 years into their future and getting them to think about what life looks like at that point. Um, I had a, a client recently who summed it up really nicely. He said, look, for him, there's two stages of his retirement. There's the active stage where he still feels fit and healthy and able to do all the things he wants to do. And then he has a second stage that he called the inactive stage. Now, hopefully it won't be too inactive, but I thought it was a good way of of describing how he sees the future. He can see a point in the future where he might not be able to do the things that he's currently doing. His health may deteriorate. So it's about taking the client on that journey and getting them to think about that and make sure that the decisions they make today are still going to look like the right decisions in 10, 15, 20 years time. That's to me what what really good advice is like, because what we want is we want clients who will look back in 10 years time and go, yeah, I got the right advice at that time. I got the right thing for me, not just back then, but it's still right for me today. Sure. I think that's, yeah, something that you're both both saying is just to yeah, measuring it by by sort of wider kind of macro things, like yeah. and, and broadening out. And I and I know they've not spoken about this before in the, the bigger conversation that is now being had around equity release. And I think a lot of studies and research is showing that as well, that a lot of firms are trying to talk about it in a bigger context. And I think yeah. that will naturally lead to better advice in the equity release sector for sure. Um it sounds like as well advisors need to, to be well versed in other things and not be too equity release specialist or focused because then obviously you're you're offering more of a whole of market um service. So it's- I think we have to be aware of our silos. I think that there is a, a risk uh throughout financial services, not just in equity release, there is a risk that we get too uh, to channel into our own silo. And I think we've got to make sure that we maintain an awareness of, of all the other aspects of uh, financial planning that exist out there so that anything we recommend fits in with other advice that that client might be receiving. Sure. So, yeah, it's, it's about having that uh, holistic view. We're not going to be able to give advice necessarily on other areas, um, myself, my team, we don't do investments and pensions advice at all, but we have a, a, a good enough understanding of that to know the impact that our advice will have on those areas. And, and Laura, I guess I'll, I'll come to you on that one of just how do you ensure that you're giving kind of holistic advice? I know you said that you, you advise on both equities and sort of normal mortgages, um, but it'd be good to hear from you kind of how you sort of maintain that. Yeah, I mean, I guess from that side of things, yeah, I've got both options. I can look at both of the client. Um, When it comes to sort of 
other things such as like pensions and um, how they invest perhaps the proceeds from equity release, things like that. Um, that's not something I can personally recommend on, but I'll always kind of either put them in touch with somebody or make sure they're, we need to make sure they know that they need to take that advice, um, you know, before before they kind of take an equity release product. Um, yeah, so I can't always do it myself, but I'll always put them in touch with somebody or explain to them they need to find somebody to speak to on that side of things as well. Sure. And, and I know signposting has been, you know, it's a big topic. And then I know it's been more of a topic more recently in, in the protection space of trying to get, um, you know, more signposting going on amid advisors so that, you know, um, more people get the right advice, essentially, which is obviously yeah. the best outcome for everyone. Um, and just to just to finish, it would be good to, to get a sort of final thought from your both on, you know, we've, we've said that, you know, equity release is growing. It's obviously growing in terms of how much is being you know, loaned through equity release, but it's also growing in terms of the number of products available um, and, and also the number of provider, providers kind of switching, different, doing different features as well as, as just increasing the volume of products. So it's, it's growing in lots of different verticals, but it'd be good to understand from both of you whether you think this growth will, will continue for the same reasons, whether we'll see other kind of drivers in the future um, or, you know, we'll see some of the drivers now that actually drop out and not be a driver for XU release growth in the future. Um, David, I'll, I'll come to you first. Uh, OK, I think uh, I have a an interesting view of the future um, as far as mortgages are concerned. I think we are now entering um, an age where having a mortgage of some sort, be it a, a normal mortgage, a retirement mortgage or a lifetime mortgage, um, that is slowly becoming the norm um, and it will become the norm to have a mortgage secured on your home throughout the whole of your life. So the perhaps the slightly more old fashioned view of paying off the mortgage um, is going to disappear. So I think the long term uh, impact that will have on this industry is that we will see mortgage products continuing to evolve. Uh, it may be that we end up with a, a mortgage product that that lasts from cradle to grave effectively it lasts from when you're a first-time buyer right through to the end of your life and during that period the mortgage is highly flexible so during your working life you're able to reduce the capital you've borrowed and then when you retire you can allow the interest to roll up or you can increase the amount that you borrowed depending on your needs at that time so i think we're we're looking at a future of continued evolution continued development, uh, continued flexibility for, for homeowners. Uh, and for me, that's a really exciting thing to think about. I, I hope I can play my small part in that future. Thanks, David. And what about you, Laura? What do you think will be some of the kind of key drivers of growth in this market going forward? And, and if so, so, do you think they'll change at all or um, evolve? Yeah, I mean, I as we know it's growing and growing and I can't see that changing um I think obviously you've got what I mentioned earlier you've got the cost of living inflation so certainly sort of more more immediate needs are there for definite for for clients um going forward you've got property values are growing um people are getting savvy with inheritance tax and uh things like that so yeah I mean I just uh, I can't see, I just think it is going to grow and grow. You know, there's an aging population. 
Um, you've got, you know, like David said, you've, you've got your kind of first time buyer mortgages. You've now got retirement interest only mortgages, which are kind of somewhere in the middle of standard type mortgage and equity release. Um, there's so much more in later life lending coming to the market. Um, so, yeah, I can't see. In my opinion, I think, yeah, it's just going to grow and grow. Mm. That's definitely given us some, some food for thought. Um, it's really, really interesting. Afraid that we have only so much time. So um, we'll wrap things up for, for today. But thank you so much, David and Laura. It's been really, really interesting listening to you. you you've offered some brilliant insights. And please tune in next week on the FT Advisor podcast. Thank you and goodbye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 